Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Okay. Well, we want to welcome everybody to the Illinois EI and Schools Community Practice Call. Today's August 17th, and it's about 4 o'clock Central Time. This is Ashley Stoffel, and uh, we've gone over who's on the call. We're excited to have Michelle Mays here with us to talk about social-emotional learning. We just have a few agenda items that we want to cover really quickly. And before we hit record, we were just sharing some info about any early intervention updates. So, um, Anjali, do you want to mention that about the rally again really quickly? Right. There's a rally in, uh, at the Oak Forest Town Hall. I believe, I'm not exactly sure about the date. It's like August 28th, I'm thinking, but I'll definitely send you all the details. And it's parents and uh, the, the providers that are invited, and we are hoping to get a lot of people out there. I just received the emails. So I haven't had a chance to really study it, but it, it is happening in Oak Forest at the town hall. Okay. Great. Thank you for that information. And, yeah, you can either send it to me and I can send it out, or you can send it out through the Google group, whichever okay, is sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, any other updates in school-based practice or, or early intervention that people want to share? No. Okay. No. Any um, announcements about things coming up? We kind of mentioned the ILOTA conference is coming up. Mm-hmm. We um, did submit a proposal about the community of practice for that conference, and we were accepted, so that presentation will be on Saturday at 9 mm-hmm. And that is, um, <laughs> looking up the date right now, Saturday, November 7th, so um, at 9.30, and it's in St. Charles at the Q Center, the ILOTA conference is. Um, so I know Teresa and I are working on that, and Michelle and Anjali um, potentially might be helping with that. Anyone else that's uh, listening and is interested in helping put together that presentation, please let us know. We would love to have um, support as well as, um, you know, even if you can't be at conference or you're not able to or don't want to um, help present, we would love to have some stories just um, about how this community of practice has supported you so far or if you learned something new or had an, a new opportunity because of, of being part of this, even if it was just being connected with another OT in your area. Or um, It's nice to share those stories to be able to show the efficacy of this idea of a community of practice and what this means for all of us um, and, and sort of the, the progress of that we're making. We haven't been together very long, just since January, but we're trying to make some, some changes in EI and school-based practice in the state and just in our own practice. So we would love to have any of those stories, um, you know, you can send them at this point, you know, to Teresa or I, we would love to have some of those to share at conference. Uh, Certainly post them on the wiki if you feel comfortable doing that um, as well. Um, The other thing I wanted to let everybody know about is that the um, OT advocacy ideas that we all worked on together and then Nami Shaw and Cindy DeRider pulled together into a nice document, those will be um, out in the next, I think in the next OT practice in September. So look for those. 
uh, which is an exciting um, piece of what the, the community practice has been able to do. So those will be shared nationwide with, uh, you know, mm. practitioners, so that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, what else? We also, you know, we'll have a conference presentation on the community practice at the AOTA conference in April, which is in Chicago, so we'll be working on that presentation as well. Sandy and myself and Teresa are working with some OTs in the state of Maine who are also using this community practice model. So we will, you know, we'd love to have some of those stories and, and thoughts from the community practice members for that as well. Uh, and I, I've been thinking just, you know, this just got me thinking, Ashley, is that at the Illinois conference, if I don't know if at all if this is possible, but remember at the AOTA conference how we had a little table and then we all met and we got, got together as a group. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's some way, I don't know if it's at all possible again, like I said, like where the vendors are, if we could have a little table and we could have handouts about the Illinois community of practice, a sign-up sheet, all the information on the stuff that we've been doing. So anybody that's interested, in addition to listening to our presentation, can go physically yeah. go to a booth or you know some table or something and get even get more involved because I think that's the best time to get people involved. They're already there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea, Anjali. And one thing we've talked about is expanding and inviting more students. And we know at our state conference that a lot of the the participants are students, uh -huh. but so that okay. could be a great way to pull in some more people. I know you sent out, Anjali, so you probably know the most about how to how to get a booth at ILOTA conference. I don't know if there's a cost associated with that. Yeah, there usually is, but I can send a letter and find out if they make some concessions because we are part of it, AOTA ultimately, what we are doing as a community of practice. So they may have, you know, they may be able to give us something. I'm not sure you want me to talk to the chairman of that committee and see if they can do something for us. Yeah, that would be great if you're willing to do that. Thank you. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's such a great idea, and especially since we have our presentation to exactly. that have a sign-up sheet, give some information, um, even you know have the OT advocacy ideas that we you know have put together, have yeah. kind of show some of the things that we've done, um, and maybe have some photographs of the time when we got together at the in Nashville. Yeah, that's you a know? great idea. Yes, okay, if you haven't seen our, our photos that are on the wiki, everyone should check those out from National <laughs> Conference. I did. <laughs> did you sketch me in? <laughs> Photoshop me in. Yes, we will do that. I don't know how to try. It'll be, it'll be a nice incentive for people to come to the state conference so we can say, we'll take your photo if you come to conference. <laughs> Just don't be so. late. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Anjali. We I'll I'll yeah. put that down that you can kinda help work I, on that and just let us know, you know, what from from us. Thank you. I will. Any other comments about conference? Mm -mm. Okay. Um another agenda item we had just you know, we've um started that data collection sheet. Uh, collection, for lack of a better word, on the, the Google site. So check that out and, you know, continue to post new um, data collection sheets that you're using, especially, you know, with the school year starting and, and things gearing up. might be a good time to share some of those methods for collecting data that we're all using. Um, Teresa, do you want to share about the upcoming chat? Sure. So we just wanted to um, share the information with you guys about some of the upcoming AOTA-sponsored pediatric virtual chats. Um, so 
they are conference calls, or you can use the same um, online chat room feature that we use in TalkShoe um, to participate in those chats. And they're also recorded, and you can listen to them afterwards. Um, so there's one coming up on Thursday, September 10th. It will be at 2 o'clock our time. Um, and it's on um, data collection um, in the schools. So that's really relevant mm -hmm. to what we have been doing in our group. Mm -hmm. So it would be great to have people participate um, in that as well and, and maybe bring ideas back to our group or to contribute to that discussion as, as members of our group. Um, and then there's also another one on October 12th, at what, and it will be at 3 p.m. our time on um, what is a pediatric OT, and that's a chat in Spanish for families. So if you're working with any um, Spanish-speaking families, that would be a great um, chat to share with them. And we'll send out um, the call-in information for both of those when we send out the notes. Great. Um, this is Sandy. I just wanted to give kudos to the last chat, um, which Ashley um, and Jen Ryan, who I guess is one of your um, members mm -hmm. as well, were part of. Um, it was on childhood outcome measures, and it was, again, recorded, so you can get to it on the website. But um, I just sent out today that um, ECTAC, the Early Childhood Technical Assistance Center, um, was so um, impressed with the content that they posted it on their website. Um, the director of ECTAC, Christina Kasbrack, and um, Ann Lucas, who is um, part of the Technical Assistance Center as well, um, were also part of the chat. And so um, it's a real kudos to the, to the idea of um, showing how um, getting information about how um, federal or national um, initiatives um, or um, um, in, you know, efforts are related to what is done in practice and how they were so impressed with hearing about occupational therapy practice and how it related to um, the early childhood outcome measures. And I think it's really um, a wonderful example of how we learn from one another and how they obviously learned from all of you from, from, the, from the content of the chat. So, so congratulations. Nice. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. All right. Oh, hearing some feedback. <laughs> Static. Okay. Any, anybody else have any additional announcements or current issues or questions that you want to discuss? All right. Well, we will um, let Michelle take it away. Teresa, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about Michelle. Well, I think um, we're thrilled. Ashley and I um, have enjoyed sort of facilitating this group, but we don't want to be the only two people running the show. So we're thrilled to have Michelle step up and lead a discussion for today's call. And if um, after hearing Michelle today, you have any other um, any ideas for discussions that you'd like to lead on a call, we are happy to set that up for you and, and hand you the baton for one of our calls. Um, Social-emotional learning um, is something that our group identified, if you remember back earlier this year when we did those polls online, um, as, as an issue that was important to many of you. And so that was um, 
it's a natural fit for um, having that be one of our first special topics on these calls. So thank you, Michelle, for, for volunteering to lead us in this discussion, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, well, great. Well, thank you for that introduction, and, and Sandy. Um, and everyone else, I, I I just want to say thank you for you know um, leading the way for us here, uh, Sandy. I, w- I would like to invite you to jump in at any time because you really have been uh, such a pivotal person at the AOTA to help compile all the wonderful resources that are there for everybody to um, to get their hands on. Um, I cannot say enough cannot say enough about all the resources that have been so helpful in in um in my putting together this little presentation and this little talk today um the the tip sheets and the mental health toolkit and there's just so many things um the consumer tip sheets and then the professionals it's just wonderful so thank you for having that little repository of um of um resources for us to use um as we move forward from today and and in the future with our work so thank you and please feel free anybody i don't consider myself necessarily an expert in this area but it is something that i'm certainly passionate about so please anybody jump in at any time i'm just sort of going to do a little bit of um, an overview of what school uh, mental health is school positive mental health and how um social and emotional learning fits into that and um a little bit about how occupational therapists can use like a tiered approach, a tiered model to provide supports in the school setting. I'd love to um, have a little bit of a discussion about what OTs are currently doing in the school systems, if people are using um, social and emotional supports in the schools, and um, what kind of um, positive mental health supports OTs are using, or what kind of initiatives have the schools, the districts, and um, used in the um, in their uh, Sorry, like what kind of district-wide approaches have schools been using if they have been? And um, and then uh, we'll just take it from there, see where we go. Um, let's see. I'd like to say that um, school mental health is recognized, and this is coming from one of the AOTA um, tip sheets, is recognized as a state of personal well-being that's associated with successful mental functioning resulting in a person's ability to engage in productive activities, right? That's right up the line with OT here. And fulfilling relationships with people and the ability to adapt and cope with change. Now, over the past 20 years or so, there's been a national movement to expand mental health services into the schools because services can reach um, young people more readily in the schools, especially those that are at risk for developing mental health concerns. Um, it's really kind of kind of sad that there's a lot of kids out that, there that have not been able to get services or been able to receive prevention services. So they're really starting to identify in the last 20 years that being able to provide those services in the school or being able to um, provide supports in the school is the way to go. So what's happened is it's resulted in a public health model or approach to mental health promotion of all children. And it's it's really been the shift from kind of an ident- um, an individual or a deficit impairment model to one that is school-wide and strength-based that focuses on promotion, prevention, and then, you know, sort of at the last resort, like intervention. Um, and the responsibility is the responsibility to provide these services is for multiple school personnel to address children's mental health needs. And that's a perfect fit for OTs because we work in the schools. Does that make sense so far? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks. Yes, definitely. Make sure you're with me. <laughs> um, 
So in the school mental health model, OTs can be, and I really feel should be, one of the professionals on the team who can contribute to students' positive mental health in the schools. Now, Sue Sue Basic um, and Sandy, I know you guys have done such wonderful work in, together and um, and have put out, um, and I know um, put out some of her wonderful publications that she's been working on, like Refreshing Recess and and um, talking about some of those positive supports that are put in place at that kind of like universal level for all students. Um, it's important, I think, for OTs to be involved at sort of that whole school level because we have our expertise in human and child development and also sort of that activity analysis and looking at, looking at how meaningful participation um, we can support all students' participation in their school occupations. So again, we want to look at promotion. We want to look at strategies to optimize mental health. We want to look at strategies at how we can reduce mental health problems before they become formally identified as a mental health issue. And then we want to be able to step in and help um, help maybe identify and help provide services after an identify. Um, sorry, after a mental health problem is identified, maybe strategies to help diminish or end to the effects of the mental health issue, the way, it's, the way that it is affecting school performance. So again, we can use a tiered approach that is very similar to like an RTI approach um, to help provide services. So a tier one would be that universal school-wide approach. Again, that would be on the, the focus on promotion of mental health, um, promotion of positive mental health to optimize students' mental health. Um, and I'm going to provide more examples of these. Tier two would be that targeted, the focus is on prevention, and tier three, intensive interventions. Um, I also like to say that I think it's really important that OTs become part of like school-based and district-wide initiatives, like committees to promote to promote um, these initiatives. Um, again, we can we can provide in services to teachers, become members of the PBIS teams. Um, whether there are task forces at the district levels or staff development teams. Um, some examples could be like um, for like tier one kind of support, so that, that first universal level could be um, bullying prevention kind of providing um, teacher, like teacher in services on bullying prevention. Could be providing um, some information about how to how to promote a comfortable cafeteria and refreshing recess. That's Susan Basic's work is wonderful on her Every Moment Counts website. Um, she talks about the strategies that she's that her she and her students have done um, to to promote um, wonderful um, refreshing recesses for their students and make sure that there are comfortable settings for the students so they can perform in those settings um, to the best of their abilities. Um, there's some other areas where we can educate the staff and the students. Um, this is where um, some of you, I'm sure, have heard about um, social thinking work and the zones of regulation. Could be whole body listening, size of the problem. These are all kinds of um, different kinds of strategies that could be taught to school, you know, all the students in school, maybe in like, um, um, oh, I'm trying to think. It could be like, um, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it could be an assembly where you're part of a team that goes and educates the whole step, you know, the, all the student body, so that whole tier one universal support. Um, or it could be something where you're part of a, you know, it could be preschool, um, like an in-service day, something like that where you talk to the whole staff about different kinds of strategies to use. Um, I know something that I've done um, to help decrease 
kind of anxiety about um, fifth graders transitioning into into sixth grade when it's um, when they're going into sixth grade um, middle school. Um, I go through all the fifth grade classes a number of times in May um, to help teach them how to to help teach them how to use combination locks because in in the district that I'm in um, they don't learn how to do, they don't get the combination locks till sixth grade. So I do a universal kind of support for all the students. Um, and I go through all the fifth grade, all the fifth graders, and I teach them how to do their locks. And um, from the junior high teachers, they've all said that that has decreased a lot of anxiety and stress in the hallways in between classes. And they noticed huge, huge, huge um, difference with the um, ease and um, ease and competency of the students. So just simple things like that, working with all the students. Another thing that I've done to help, um, kind of that. I guess it, it's sort of promoting, it is promoting um, safety at that whole universal level and the health of the students is I've done school bus. I've done school bus in services to all the students in the school from K through five, or actually first grade through fifth grade about school bus safety. What does it look like? I've made posters um, and in service to the entire student body on what does safe bus riding look like. Um, so those are, kind of, those are kind of examples about like sort of that whole um, kind of universal supports. And then you have like tier two, those targeted preventions that we talked about, those students that are at risk. Um, and some examples of um, ways to promote that at risk would be to like run small groups for students that might be at risk for specific, still, uh, specific still skill deficits. So maybe some students are having difficulty with social participation. So maybe like struggling with um, making friends at lunchtime or something like that. You can run a lunchtime, small lunchtime group. Um, maybe it could be students that are that are engaging in possibly or at risk for engaging possibly in high risk behaviors or something like that. So maybe running a small a small group for students um, just to help teach them maybe some kind of more responsible behaviors, things like that before it becomes an issue. So that kind of tier two thing. And I guess this is and maybe I would love to have your guys' comments on this either now or later. But um, I know for that kind of that second second tier kind of intervention. I know for me, whenever I've done a small group like that, I've always, I've always gotten um, parental permission for something like that. Um, and um, even, even though I have the support of the school behind me, I just feel like with, even in, even in light of our practice act, I feel like it's, it is important to get some kind of parental or guardian permission um, to run a, a small group like that. So I don't know what, how you guys feel about that. Maybe you can share your comments now or later. Um, any thoughts? Just a quick question. Now, yeah. the, uh, all the students that participate in this uh, group activity, are yeah. all those uh, students on your caseload, or just one or two are, and the others are just, you know, general ed kids? For the second, for the second level of supports that, that targeted? Correct. Some may be and some may not. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, so it might be a mix. So I receive I receive permission for the ones who are, for all of them. I will send home a note because okay. it may not necessarily be I, a working on something that may be part of OT goals, you know, that are identified goals. Yeah. Right, so it might not be on the IEP. Exactly. And so then I would get permission, permission okay. for that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the tier three is for the most intense. So intense, and that's usually the individual kind of intervention. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, you know, we may provide specific in- information. And those are usually the kids that we will, may um, may end up evaluating or providing that. Um, we might contribute to information on the um, FBA or the BIP or some, something like that. Or we might collaborate on, um, you know, collaborate with the social worker or their psych about a particular student. Um, but again, that would, that would be something that usually those kind of students um, usually come up for the evals. But um, but I'm really a proponent of those kind of tier one kind of universal school-wide programs. I really think that's where we make a huge impact as OT professionals. And I think I think when we are providing those kind of tier one supports, we're not singling anybody out. We're we're educating everybody on what the role of OTs are in the schools and the contributions that we can make, and and demonstrating the value of what we bring to the setting. Mm-hmm. So um, those were just just off the top of my head some of some of the examples of um, some of the strategies um, to support some of those positive mental health um, things just, you know, from an activity perspective. But, um, uh, Sandy's, Sandy's um, colleagues and herself with the wonderful examples that they have on the, the AOTA uh, website with the tip sheets, and they have just wonderful examples of different kinds of activities that OTs can, can do in the school. I think it's great. Um, so that's there. So that's a little bit about um, the, the mental health in the school, positive mental health in schools. Now, um, I'm going to sort of switch over to social and emotional learning, but does anybody have any questions or comments they'd like to add? Michelle, this is Sandy. You've done yeah. such a great presentation about um, sharing a nice overview, and mm-hmm. I loved your um, examples of, of locker use and school bus safety because it really helps to translate how we are occupation and, and activity experts and how we can make school routines um, not just physically safe for kids and, and um, making them feel secure and ready, but also emotionally and mental health-wise safe and secure and ready to, for learning. So I think, um, you know, we're the routines expert. We, we have so much that we can offer, and when we get out onto the playground and in the cafeteria and all the places where typical routines occur, we're just where our kids are at, and we're, we're with where bullying may occur, and we're where um, social participation may be um, either advanced and promoted or potentially um, barriers are, are there. And so um, I think you just did a really great job. The, the only um, thing that I wanted to make sure people know is that there is a school mental health toolkit and it has a about I think we have about ten or so downloadable sheets. They're available. You do not need to be a member to get to them. And they review um, again this whole um, prevention, promotion, and interventions. So it's a very tiered approach within general education to um, how we can support at all levels um, and how we can um, be. Um, uh, contributory to uh, making for a better learning environment, um, whether it's in environmentally, like in the cafeteria, um, in the hallways, uh, there's a sheet on recess promotion and a PowerPoint you can download, or whether it's about um, addressing uh, a mental health condition like anxiety or depression um, and how we can contribute at all levels, even for the early identification of signs of a um, disorder and then referring on for further um, diagnosis. So um, I, I just want to 
congratulate you. You did a wonderful, wonderful job, and I'd love to hear more about those examples like the universal level of just helping everybody with their um, use of their locker combination and how that does decrease anxiety and potentially um, limit learning because the kid's so anxious about going to their locker. You know, I Mm -hmm. remember my kids were worried they were going to be put in the locker, right? That was always one of those (laughs) urban myths that they were going to be put in the locker. But I think there's not just being put in the locker. There's thinking of the locker as like a monster, right, and that Mm-hmm. You don't look cool if you get up to your locker and you're struggling there. Or you're going to get detention and you're going to have to stay after school and you're going to miss your sports. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I it's think, very stressful. And especially, and yeah, right. I think for just general general education kids and then some children, you know, have unidentified needs and, and it's very stressful for those too. So yes, right. right. Simple things like that. I've heard positive... Um, Positive from both sides, from the students and um, and the and the staff. It's been great. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I left. I have. Oh, I've. I do a lot of um, kind of full um, full grade level kind of interventions. Um, a lot of them I'll do do um, kind of with a little with the younger ones. I'll do like first grade kind of um, ways to keep their body their bodies. Um, awake in class, and if they need a rest break, I'll talk. To, I'll teach the children and and the students how to keep their bodies awake. And if they feel like they need to um, take a break, how they could do it very su- subtly. So they, um, the teachers will know that they're taking a little break, but they won't. Um, it won't be something that will alert the teacher to like, you know, that they have to like pay attention. The teacher is learning at the same time, so they know that oh, the student's taking a very subtle break right now. It's okay. And mm-hmm. um, and different ways to support different kinds of handwriting and, and just uh, just different things at different grade levels. I've done things school wide, school wide approaches like that. But I do have to carve out the time in my schedule aside from um, you know different treatment times um, to do that. But it's been very rewarding, I think, for the student body and the teachers. It's been educating the staff on um, you know, oh my gosh, showing them the wide variety of things that. Uh, that we're experts in, and other than handwriting and then sensory things. I think people think that we're, you know, sense whatever that is, sensory experts and handwriting, but it shows all the other things. And, and then this is a nice segue into social and emotional learning. That's another, another kind of um, school-wide intervention I've done is go, I've talked about, like, whole-body listening to students um, across all grade levels. And I've partnered with the social workers and the speech therapists, and we will go in together and we will we will demonstrate what it means to have to use whole body listening and um and we'll act out different kinds of um we'll act out whether or not we are using whole body listening strategies or not, and we'll have the children guess um and whether we're using it or not or and we'll talk about um some of the other things we've done or like give examples about what is the size of this problem. We'll give them scenarios and they get to choose, like, is this, you know, a mountain-sized problem or is this kind of like a, um, um, like a watermelon seed-sized problem or something, you know, things like that for the little ones, depending on their age. But I'll go in and do a whole grade level about, about um, different kinds of things like that. So, you know, talking about social-emotional learning, um, it's it's been really fun and talking about unexpected and expected behaviors and really using Michelle Garcia 
um, Winner's work, it's been really helpful, and Leah Cooper's work with the zones of regulation, um, whole grade level, providing whole grade level um, little teaching moments, not, you know, maybe like 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes um, a class and going through like maybe the second grade, boom, 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 one day. You know, it's only maybe a half hour or 45 minutes I can hit all the all the grade levels and do a little teaching, um, little teaching for all the classes. And they love it. The teachers love it and the kids love it. And I find the teachers are really happy to have somebody come in and, and do a little lesson. And um, it's very interactive and the kids get up and get to get to do things with me too. So I can, I can provide more examples of that, concrete examples. Um, but, um, but getting into social emotional learning, um, you know, back, this is before I moved here. But in 2003, there was um, a children's task force, mental health task force, and they reported their findings to the um, Illinois um, State um, um, Board of Education, actually, the government here. And based on their findings and their recommendations, the Illinois Children's Mental Health Act was passed. And what this what this stated was that social and emotional learning standards were going to be adopted and would be adopt, that they would be adopted by the State Board of Education and that each district would incorporate um, social and emotional learning into their educational programs. So not only would we, we would have statewide standards, which we all know that we have them, but that each district was responsible for pro- providing social and emotional learning into the education of the students. So that's why we have this here. And um, so the Illinois State Board of Ed, or ISBE, they partnered with... Um, the Collaborative for Academic Social, Social Emotional Learning, or CASEL. I'm sure you guys have heard of that, but if you haven't, it's C-A-S-E-L. And um, CASEL is an organization that's, um, that helps to make evidence-based SEL um, an integral part of education from preschool to high school. Their website is fantastic. They have um, numerous studies and resources from their projects, training materials, uh, publications online, um, they're all about showing the, um, the uh, evidence-based work that they do and how it, it is positively influencing um, children's, um, all the social-emotional work is influencing not only the citizens that they're becoming, but their academic work as well. They advocate school-wide and district-wide approaches, as well as strong school and family partnerships. Um, and, and you might be asking, well, what is social-emotional learning? It's the process through which students learn and apply skills needed for managing emotions, achieving positive goals, demonstrate empathy, maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. Um, and what they found is that when we address social, emotional, um, social and emotional learning, it actually improves grades and test scores. And what they found was that achieve, um, scores on achievement, um, achievement tests actually average um, an average of 11 percentile point, points higher. Um, so that's pretty neat. Um, that it improves positive social behaviors. That students demonstrate fewer conduct problems and they have reduced emotional distress. And I find that that makes sense to me because if you have a student that is not worried about being bullied and not worried about um, their safety walking through the halls, um, they're going to be more relaxed and they're going to they're going to be in a better mental, again, a positive mental state, so they're going to be able to learn better. So this, goes, this fits right into that whole positive mental health, really, all of this. Um, and they've identified, this castle has identified five core competencies essential to social and emotional learning. Self-awareness, self-management, social, 
social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision making. And um, these are um, these are what our um, these are what our social emotional learning standards are based on. And why is this important for OTs? Again, we provide support for students in the school across the school day and all the you know all the environments at school. And we have the expertise and ta- task analysis to support students' school participation. So again, social participation, such as you know resolving conflicts and making friends with ADLs, you know, understanding social expectations, say, during lunchtime, um, maybe uh, education, responding appropriately to feedback and criticism in class, maintaining academic performance during, um, during times of frustration. How about on the playground or in gym class, regulating their emotions during competitive games? And, um, again, these core competencies um, frame that. Illinois social and emotional learning standards. Okay, and um, these standards are organized into developmental benchmarks according to the grade level areas, and they describe what the students should know and should be able to do, and are operationalized like K through three, um, fourth and fifth grade, sixth through eighth grade, ninth and tenth grade, and eleventh through twelfth grade. Okay, and again, OTs can address social emotional learning through a tiered approach. And it's very similar. Again, this just sort of fits right into that whole positive mental health is universal whole school promotion. And there's lots of examples how we could do that. We could do a theme of the week. Um, this goes, again, right with some of the examples that I had provided before, um, providing in-service to, to staff on specific different kinds of SEL kind of interventions. Um, could talk about positive class management strategies to staff. Could be... Um, you know, um, tier two kind of targeted interventions could be doing, you could be, OTs could be running small groups for students about like maybe conflict resolution, um, maybe small lunchtime groups again. And then there's tier three, again, that kind of individual or intensive level groups. And that could be um, maybe using a task analysis to modify classroom or group activities, um, maybe explicitly teach kind of positive behaviors or social skills to identified kids um, and advocacy for students. And, um, you know, I know that I personally write um, SEL goals quite frequently on uh, IEPs. I'm wondering, does anybody else out there write SEL goal, goals on their IEPs? Anyone? I'm not working in the school. Michelle, when I worked in the schools, it was yeah. it was sometimes a we had to work with the social workers mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the speech language pathologists and the teachers to figure out um, you know whose domain that was and and certainly we could collaborate on goals together. But it was sometimes tricky to mm-hmm. for an OT to kind of own that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess um, usually if that was a goal that the, I was addressing, it would have been in collaboration with the social worker or the teacher as well. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the beauty of it too, because they'd be like, "What you do this? You do this too?" You know? And, yeah. Um, I love that. I said, "Oh, oh absolutely," and then help I say, "Well, well, you know, when the student is engaged in this kind of activity in class, this is," and then it would help sort of define that a little bit. I love. I enjoy that. I enjoy working on those with uh, other um, staff members. Um, I'm wondering if any schools. I know the last district. Uh, the last district that I worked for. Um, had 
had a very, very, very strong um, district-wide initiative to incorporate SEL work. Um, we used to have in-services for the entire district, including the um, um, support staff, like the custodial staff, school bus drivers, the um, like, like um, all that kind of support staff, in addition to all the teaching staff and, and administration on um, terminology, social-emotional terminology. Um, I'm wondering if anybody else has that as well, because we all wanted to have the same common language when we were speaking with students. I mean, it, it was really, really excellent. I thought it was a great model. I'm wondering if anybody else's districts have any initiatives like that. Maybe not. Anyway, I thought it was—I thought that was a really great initiative. It was part of their mission statement that we would all be able to um, be able to list the five um, SEL competencies, and and that we would be able to use the common language across the district, all all the staff. And um, it was great. It was really nice. It was really great. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Michelle, this is Teresa. Can you share a little bit? It sounds like you've been at some schools or districts where that, like, you came in the door and they were already having um, some of these district-wide initiatives and and were inviting to you as an OT to be involved. But um, sometimes I hear from OTs that they would love to be doing some of these um, whole classroom interventions, but they're not quite sure how to get administration. Buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you do you have any strategies or recommendations for that? If someone's in a place where OTs aren't currently doing that type of intervention, sure. I think that's I think that's more the norm. I um, I think I actually had to volunteer to do that. So, um, where I think because I think people don't realize that we're educated in that whole social emotional piece. You know, the biopsychosocial kind of thing. I. I have to start with the building principles is where I start with the principals and the teachers and a lot well a lot of times with the IEP team as well. So um I talk I really talk about how you know I talk about what we do as OTs and then I offer I usually offer oh you know well I could come in and do a lesson on XYZ could be could be any of those topics that I talked about today. And they say, you do that? And I say, sure, I could do a little five-minute thing on, oh, whole body listening, because the teachers usually say, oh, the class is very active. Well, I could come in and talk about, you know, I, I could do a little lesson on um, how to get the wiggles out, for instance. That's one of my topics, how to get the wiggles out. So, um, oh, sure. So then um, I may go offer it to the first-grade teachers or whatever kindergarten teachers, how to get the wiggles out, and it'll be like a little five-minute thing. That's how I hit the ground running. Or I'll talk to the principal. Can I do a before, you know, before school a coffee talk with an OT? And I usually I could send out a little um, thing, hey, there's, these are some topics that OTs, that OTs um, are, you know, um, these are some topics that OTs, I want to say experts, but these are some topics that are of interest usually to teachers. Would you please check off any that you would like to hear more information about. And then I'll do like once a month, like a coffee talk, something like that. Um, so really, it's a, I just look for any opportunity I have to, to promote what we do. And then if, I have, if somebody wants to hear a lesson, I give them an idea about, hey, I could do a lesson on that. So I don't know. I just really talk up what we do. And I, lessons, in-services, 
um, posters. I share I share things all the time with teachers, and then usually one will say, "Where did you get that cool poster?" Poster, like for example, like Whole Body Listening, Larry. Um, I have a couple of those posters, so I'll give one to like one teacher. Like if the class is having like trouble listening, I don't know why this class doesn't listen because I'm in I'm in the classes a lot. I'll push. I do a lot of like in class minutes. I I really see the kids in the classrooms as much as I can when they're at the younger ages. So I'll provide the the classroom a whole body listening, Larry, and I'll go over that with the students. Like how, what does it look to like listen with your you know listen with your eyes, those kind of things. And then the other teachers see it, and then they ask the teacher, where do you get that from? Oh, I got it from Michelle, the OT. And then can I get one of those? And then I'll say, well, yeah, would you like me to talk about it with the class? Sure. And then I do a little lesson there. That's how I, that is how I do it. It's like grassroots through the school. And then I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but that's really how I start with this whole social-emotional stuff. And then I usually, and then I usually once a teacher, I go in and do something, then they usually ask me, hey, could you do, is there anything else you could do? Or I usually offer it. So that's how it starts. Principals love it. The principals love when anybody wants to support their teachers and provide um, you know, resources for the teachers. Um, sometimes I'll put up flyers outside the door, um, but most often than not, I'm I just try to be like a live, a live body and providing help for the teachers in the class with the students, and they love that. Michelle, um, you should really write it up for an yeah. OT practice article at, because I think that's where people are getting stuck. You know, you can download a lot of materials on the website, but then how do you translate them into usable chunks that that um, are um, not too long, not too lengthy, low cost, and what meets the targeted audience's needs, you know, what they want. And mm -hmm. so you're customizing it. Um, I know um, Anjali had talked about customizing some of the um, materials on the AOTA website to what she does for her um, columns in her newsletter. And I think what you're doing is customizing to meet the needs of your and, – and doing it in an inclusive, integrated way to mm -hmm. what's going on in the routines with, you know, that, that, that are influencing or impacting participation. And I think it's wonderful examples, and I really encourage you to think about, mm -hmm. you know, with the launch of the school year starting soon, you should give some hints you know, um, and, and write it up in an OT practice article, I think mm. it would be really very well received. Oh, well, thanks. I think, uh, well, that, I will take that to heart. I think um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is I, you know, I think the OT room is a thing of the a thing of the past. I'm, I agree. I'm never, mm -hmm. I'm not in a room. I mean, I didn't even have a room. So I, right. I, I shared it with the music and our teachers. And um, I frankly, I, I think that we, I was just very highly visible. And I think, I, you know, I'm always in the cafeteria and doing all the real life things with the kids and sitting at the tables with everybody and, you know, mm -hmm. helping the kids open up their containers and teaching them to help each other out. And, and um, I, I don't know, and carry their trays and using, you know, expected behaviors and, and uh, so that's another thing I guess I could write up in there and be an yeah, on the I mean, playground. That's, and, that's the least yeah. restrictive environment, right? That's, exactly. That's inclusive, that's inclusive practice. And um, actually there's a new document in the School Mental Health Toolkit that's on inclusion. And um, this is really what the Department of Education wants us to do. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, 
you know, there needs to be a reason why we would not be working inclusively in the classroom. You know, um, right. obviously toileting and other things need to be not done in the classroom, but as much as possible we need to be in the classroom because that's where, where the context in which they have to participate. So, right. um, so yeah, I think it would be really great, and I think you you just do it naturally. But for some people, it's it's um, it has to be more learned. You know, yeah. It may not be naturally how they're used to doing it from the past, um, or um, you know, uh, it, it, some people are transitioning to that. So yeah, um, yeah. I think that uh, helpful hints and ways to to, to uh, make it more achievable would is real would really be great. Yeah, Michelle, thank you. Ashley, I just wanted to add, I think that I was thinking the same thing because I was just, I don't work in the schools, but just listening to you, you have so many straightforward, like practical strategies and ideas that I think people can go out and try to use right away, which is, you know, really what practice is about. Uh, you know, it's just so nice to hear these examples and, and how you've been able to uh, support this idea of social emotional learning and and participation for all the students, it's its really exciting. So I, I would agree, any any kind of write-up or a, a mechanism for sharing these ideas would be great. Absolutely. I think it would be interesting to look at how the other um, stakeholders in the school would define what you do um, in comparison to a place where those, where, where it wasn't as inclusive and how they would, um, you know, is there, um, more a recognition that what you're doing is helping the kids participate through the day mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. as opposed to more of a deficit model of a remediation of some specific skill um, deficits that are being, you know, um, trying to be improved. And so that really takes us into more of an occupation-based um, principles and um, really aligns um, closely with the OT practice framework. So right. um, I think that um, it would be interesting to, to know if you just randomly went up to some of your colleagues in your school and said, well, what, what does Michelle do? What, 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 what does an occupational therapist do? I bet you'd get some really wonderful data that way. Oh, um, yes. And, and in a very good way, in a very yes. positive way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Well, Michelle, this is Teresa. I love that some of your suggestions would be a great way for some OTs in the schools to start out the school year, you know, yeah. to, mm -hmm. to Very much so. start out this school year right away with talking with teachers or hanging, um, you know, posters. posters around the school or um, just to set that tone early on. Um, so I, I appreciate I always love hearing the practical suggestions and ideas that people have done to, even if it's a small step, you know, in the right direction, it, those small steps can build on one another to make big change. So, well, thanks. Oh, I've got a ton of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should write them out. Okay. All right, I'll put them. I'll put them in OT practice. I'm going to need you guys to to give me a hand with with that, but uh, writing yeah. that up. But uh, <laughs> I think you've okay, taken cool. the fear out of inclusion in interacting with many therapists when I presented my poster on inclusion. They were afraid of that co-teaching model. They're like, I'm not a teacher. I'm not certified. How can I go and teach a little class or, you know, do some instruction in the classroom? And I believe that as long as it's done in collaboration with the teacher and the teacher is present when you're teaching whatever it is that you're teaching, it should be okay. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think you have to be partners with the teacher. It's their class. Right. You know, and, then, and I and think that, you know, it's their room. If you're invited right. in and you're a partner with them, I think that's wonderful. And I think um, you're empowering the teacher. And that's teachers, you know, they, they're they looking for strategies. And uh, I just think it's a it's a wonderful partnership when it works. And it, mm-hmm. it really does mm-hmm. work. It's great. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about the bus, the bus again. Um, and, and not to not to mention, I, I just have another ex- example about partnering. I partnered with the bus driver this year. Um, she had a, a bus where oh, she was frustrated one day, and and the, the building the building principals were out. There wasn't anybody. There wasn't anyone around. I was there, and mm-hmm. they needed they needed a hand, and they called me to help with the bus. So. Um, so anyway, I got on the bus and I was like, oh, what's going on? And I realized the students and none of the students, half, I think more than half the students, um, their primary language was Spanish. And um, some of the students spoke English. And I realized these are little ones that were never really taught the rules of the bus, like the rules of the, what to do. So I, through that day, I did, a, I did an English poster and a, a Spanish poster, and I don't speak Spanish, so I had one of the other teach, mm-hmm. teachers in school who was totally cool, like wanted to help me with it, and he translated my poster, and I got, you know, I did the onboard maker. We did an English poster and Spanish poster about what, how, to do, how to ride the bus, and I had someone translate, and we got everybody in the cafeteria, and just this bus, and we talked about, hey, what's going on with the bus, and how can we be safe on the bus, and this is, in a, this is separate from... This other thing I did where we did the whole school, the social worker and I did the whole school about how you were safe on the bus, and we actually came up with a whole whole strategy about how kids could safely sit and wait for the bus because that was a whole issue in another school. But this was, um, we talked about bus safety, and I put the posters up on the bus, and the bus driver was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a totally different bus. Thank you so much. She goes, I'm going to have an accident. I was going to have an accident because I couldn't, I couldn't control it, and she was so appreciative. And it just made everybody so, – it was just great. So that was an, that's another example. So I guess I'll have to put that in that um, OT practice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the already is getting bigger and bigger, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was fun putting together the poster. So I hope it's still on the bus. I don't know. <laughs> and the translated poster. But those little things like that. But, again, you know, it's – how many how many students i mean it, i don't even know how many students 30 40 students and then I, of course it cut into treatment time but um i made up the treatment time but i felt like that was something that was crucial the safety of all those safety of all those students so then There's i had also a, school readiness right if they yes. come to, if they come to class and they're already so overloaded mm-hmm. by by the, incredible noise and and being jostled on the bus and just already it's already not a good conducive to to a good learning environment when they come right. in there so i think that preparatory time is, is crucial yes. um and so what you did is you prepared um i mean i, I think a lot of um it, a lot of it is expectations i mean how would these kids know what is the expected behavior on the school bus if they've never been informed. Right. So right. Um, instead of it being in a positive way where your poster can say it in positive ways, we keep our hands to ourselves, we, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it would be, yeah. um, it, unfortunately what would happen is I'm sure the school bus driver has to yell yeah. and mm-hmm. potentially be distracted and say, stop doing that, stop doing that, and it's already setting up a very negative cycle. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that that's the idea of this uh, mental health promotion. You're promoting 
a safe and conducive and healthy environment on the school bus, thinking of that as an extension of the school day because it's the mechanism upon which the kids are getting to school or leaving school. And you're setting up the behaviors that you're hoping will be emulated and integrated into the, this respect for one another and respect to, for oneself that we want to promote in their life skills development. Right. So, um, well, congratulations. You really presented so, so much wonderful information today. Oh. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I love what I do. Sorry, I have get, get tons of energy. I just, I, uh, you know, it's just so exciting. I could go on forever, but I will, I will uh, um, end it here. And uh, please email me, anybody, if you have any uh, questions, <laughs> that I will be working on that little article. So that'll be great. <laughs> Michelle, I'm really curious about the IEP goals that you write independent of social work and the school psychologist. Is there mm-hmm. any way for you to like maybe put uh, you know, put them up on the wiki so I can look at a couple of them maybe? Just white out black out the names or whatever and just I'd like to look at one. Yeah. An IEP that that's just OT, there's no one else except you and uh, you have a social emotional goal that you're working on. Yeah, sure. That'd be yep. perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Any other questions or comments for Michelle? No, that was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah Michelle, was really that was great. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for, oh, for putting you. this together today and being on the call. And um, you know, the call call is recorded, so hopefully some other people will be able to um, listen to it after today and and really hear some of those wonderful strategies and suggestions that you shared. And we will look forward to your article coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to the help. Thanks, guys. The book signing, the book signing right. coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone for being on the call today. Thank and, you um, very much. We will thank look you. forward to chatting with you all soon. Look, we look forward to setting up an, another call in about a month. We'll try to do something every month and um, continue to look at the Google site and uh, the emails that come out. We'll send out some some updates and other ways that people can get involved as well. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.